everyone. Welcome back to the Star Podcast. We have Nicholas Fisher here and Damien Puddle. There's been a lot of controversy recently um, around um, the fig competitions, and it's kind of brought up the conversation about um, fig's involvement with parkour and not and beyond the competitions, just um, worries of fig's actual governance of our sport and our industry and everything and um on top of that me max and benj i mean mostly me uh has been drumming up a lot of um drumming up a lot of fuss on the uh episode 24 of the story podcast where um i pretty much ran my mouth uh on a lot of things that was very lazy and inaccurate of me and we'll get to that stuff um, but pretty much uh, I wanted to bring you guys here um, just so we can have pretty much a discussion on the risks, pros and cons of FIG's involvement in parkour, the Olympics and just FIG as uh, international governing body of our sport. Um, so, yeah, I guess, first of all, uh, let's introduce ourselves briefly. Um, should we start with you, Damien? Who are you? sure uh, how brief do you want <laughs> um let's 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 uh have like a minute elevator pitch i guess and a then like later on pitch. later on we can get into like how we got involved into uh national governing international governing bodies and and the history of of all this stuff yeah Sure. Um, so yeah um, i'm damien and i started parkour in 2008 here in new zealand um, started training with uh, a guy named Barnes, um, um, who tr started training with Sean Wood and Reese James, because uh, no one else in New Zealand did it. So he would fly over to Australia and do it with oh, them. Yeah. So he kind of uh, mentored me, uh, and yeah, soon uh, helped set up uh, Parkour New Zealand in 2011. Uh, took over the leadership reins of that in sort of 2012, 2013. And then uh, with the formation of Parkour Earth, was a director on the board uh, and then became a uh, this volunteering as a CEO for that as well. But my my day job, I work for local government um, in a role that I've been pioneering for the last couple of years. It, it's kind of the segue into being someone employed in the council to turn the city into a parkour park, <laughs> basically. Oh. Um, I'm called, my title is play advocate. And so I help the council think about play in all of the work that they do. Whenever they build anything, are they thinking about play as an outcome of all of their projects? Um, oh, which is quite yeah. fun. Um, and yeah, and uh, some people call me Dr. Puddle uh, because I did do my, my PhD looking at the globalization of parkour, uh, finished in 2019. So mm. that's my. Yeah, I've still yet to um, dig that one out and and read into read into that one. It's uh, only 75,000 words, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Nicholas, you had to do the same quick uh, minute elevator pitch of Nicholas Fisher. Of course. Uh, yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Nicholas. Uh, some years ago, I, I studied, I did the master's degree in human movement science. But awesome. already back then, I, I enjoyed training and, and coaching and just sharing parkour so much. So I, I really stood away from a traditional like, science career, uh, just just to make sure I can enjoy parkour full time. So I opened the gym. I, I train just for myself. I train with friends, enjoying the weekends, uh, jumping around the city. 
And yeah, I'm basically just a parkour enthusiast uh, and parkour is what brings me up in the morning. Mm, yeah. How, lo- how long have you been doing parkour? Actually, same, same, uh, like, 2008. like I, started, I started 2008. I think parkour came to Switzerland, like around 2004 with parkour one. Yeah. And yeah. 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 And, and I, I joined in there like around 2008. Mm. Yeah. Switzerland definitely has like, uh, quite a long history of parkour, especially with, uh, yeah, the parkour one guys for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, Damien, maybe you're the best to take us through the history of the whole situation um, with Fig and then how Parkour Earth became involved in everything. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, do you want to take us through that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so in 2017, um, Fig uh, released uh, a press release saying that they were going to create a new gymnastic discipline drawing on contemporary movement practices like parkour and obstacle course racing as inspiration for their new yet unnamed discipline. And so that kick-started uh, a lot of conversation around the world as to what what that meant and what that would is going to look like um, and ended up being a much bigger storm, uh, I guess, than, than both FIG and the it both, I guess, fig intended as well as uh, what the parkour community assumed was taking place. Uh, and so uh, for me, that was interesting because I was in the middle of this thesis on the globalization of parkour. And so oh, I yeah. couldn't not end up writing a whole chapter about that. So as a as a practitioner and an administrator of parkour and a coach, I was um, pretty upset. As an academic, it was very interesting and fascinating um and so i had these competing sides uh to myself but essentially um what came out was that actually fig's intention was to govern parkour not just to create something new um with parkour as inspiration um but parkour um became the um the actual goal uh, and then fast forward um to the end of 2018 the the National Gymnastics Federation members were given the opportunity to vote on whether they thought uh, Fig should be in charge of parkour. Um, that vote passed. Uh, and so since that time, Fig has identified parkour as its eighth gymnastic discipline. Mm. And there's a, a lot <laughs> within that time period, um, but that's the, the quick the quick summary. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, in was it 2018 when Parkour Earth was established as pretty much... Uh, 2017, yeah, so pretty much five, six months after um, Fig announced its intent, um, or this press release was released, um, six of the national federations had been and others had been speaking through this time period, trying to figure mm. out what's going on, what should we do, how do we respond? Um, and Parkour UK had been trying to communicate with FIG um, and FIG had responded, but had also said that, you know, you're not an international federation, so we we don't really feel um, that you're at our level to communicate. We typically communicate with other international federations. Uh, And so looking around um, these national bodies, so that's New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, France, the UK and Poland, said, well, there's nothing that currently exists that we feel can truly represent our views um, and bring a democratic 
voice to the scenario. Um, so we federated um, and formed Parkour Earth. Yeah. And then started our communications from there. Right. Um... Calvin, can, can I shortly ask a question here? Nicholas. Because I'm wondering, I, I wasn't there back then, um, but you said like that the FIG didn't want to communicate with, with uh, Parkour UK. And in response to that, you, you founded Parkour Earth, basically. Um, so did you have to contact the FIG with Parkour Earth? And was it the same way of communicating or did you get like proper responses? Yeah, so so they, they did respond to Parkour UK, but they kind of made this intimation that that really Parkour UK and Parkour uh, and Gymnastics UK, you know, British Gymnastics um, are the ones that should be communicating and, and that FIG wouldn't be dipping into national level conversations. Um, but no, they responded to our, our letters of communication um, without any of that sort of preamble um, with, with Parkour Earth. And then we, not myself, um, it's hard to travel um, as much as you guys do, <laughs> um, being so isolated. But mm. uh, at the time, Eugene Minogue was our CEO and he and uh, Stephen Sampson, who ended up becoming our chair for a time, um, who's a sports lawyer, uh, with Squire Patton Boggs, went and met with uh, Charles um, and uh, Watanabe uh, in Lausanne. Oh, okay. Yeah, wasn't there some um, memorandum of understanding that was kind of made? Or was that with... Um... Was that with Parkour Earth or IPF? Not with Parkour Earth. That was with IPF. Yeah. Can can you um so so IPF, the International Parkour Federation, um what because because they're they were established by uh Victor Bevin uh from WFPF, which is also another uh world's parkour and free running federation. They like to call themselves federations, um, but like who who came first, IPF or Parkour Earth, and and what are what are they trying to do? Are they, are they another and are they another group gunning for like to be recognised as the international governing body as well? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for IPF directly, um, yeah. So and don't and obviously don't represent them, um. But yeah, they were founded True, first, yeah. um information that's been passed to me is that they were initially set up as the international parkour foundation and had more charitable interests initially right. um but then um uh an advisor to them a man by the name of mike jackie who used to be heavily involved with gymnastics um uh, i guess hinted at the fact that gymnastics might be interested in parkour long term um and that they should actually set up themselves as an international parkour federation and try and be the the governing body um, mm. for parkour internationally um the national uh so as far as i know that that is their intent and they had put in a an application to uh GISIF, uh, the global alliance of international sports federations that's kind of the gateway to Olympic recognition, um, but that that was declined. Um, but um, yeah, so they existed before Parkour Earth, but in the same way that uh, other examples of international federations that have tried to be, be established for Parkour have been sort of in one country, in one location, set up by one group, 
and sort of suggesting that everyone else should join that group. And so none of the national federations liked that model and didn't feel comfortable aligning and stepping into that model when there was an opportunity to build something as a collective that was democratic. So that's why Parkour Earth formed instead of just going and joining IPF. Mm. Okay. I think I understand. <clears throat> okay. Um, Nicholas, how yeah, do, do you... Do sorry, do let me know if there's any jargon or anything that I'm saying that people don't get. I, I feel like I, I speak this stuff a lot, so I'm super <laughs> familiar with it. So yeah, go ahead yeah, and yeah. Okay. ask. Um, yeah, Nicholas, um, how have you become involved and intertwined with this whole situation? It's actually due to you, but I have one question first, just to make something clear. I don't understand yet how your guys are thinking. Um, you're always talking about like one governing body for parkour. Yeah. But, but as you know, as we talk right now, there are there are so many, many federations yeah. uh, like Parkour Earth, the IPF, the, the FIG. Um, is it because we have seen it before in parkour history, right? It's it's very hard to, to unify the parkour community in anything. I mean, it was a discussion Absolutely. about parkour and free running, and so I really have to congratulate Damien for for putting up something like Parkour Earth. It's it's such a hard job, and it, it's it's so much work involved in that. And still, you know, you can never unify all the people, right? Yeah. So when we are talking about this this governing body, what are you talking about? Are you talking like you know, just the one which is like uh, involved into the Olympics or because for me, there are several players around now. And because you're usually talking about like one sole um, governing body. Is this um, a question from, sorry, for, for me or for Callum? Just, just for you to just to clarify when we, we when we talk that I understand uh, how your thoughts on, on the things are. Like, like, what, what does the governing body for for you mean, or is it possible you for you to have several ones? Because at the moment, in my eyes, this is the situation. I mean, I've got an, I've got an opinion, but Kellen, is there anything that you wanted to? Um, I don't know. I I, I feel like um, I have no idea how it works in my mind. Um. There, there is only going to be one that the International Olympics Committee is going to choose to put forward for the Olympics. And I feel like, um, from my point of view, one has got to show their competence in delivering a competition that can work well on the world stage of the Olympics. And... Um, of course, FIG is kind of taking that by force and they have such a massive step up than um, uh, IPF and Parkour Earth, given their um, their 100-year-old organisation and their ability to get sponsors for all these uh, events and everything. Um, and of course, they're, they're deeply rooted within the Olympics already. Um, but I guess... I don't I don't know if that is the goal of um Parkour Earth and I think they're quite split down the middle with their board members of who is actually not only for the Olympics but for competition in general um but then IPF seem a bit more um at least in rec in recent years um 
they've been trying to put competitions together and actually gunning for that same position in the Olympics that Fig are going for. I don't know if that's accurate at all, but that's just what it seems like. But yeah, I, I guess the IOC is only going to pick one. Um, and I guess, I don't know um, if Parkour Earth is, has any plans to do that just purely from a defensive route against fig because like just to offer something up of substance rather than letting fig take control and um let the parkour community deal with the bureaucratic onslaught that comes from it i don't know what's <laughs> what's your opinion damien maybe i'm entirely yeah, wrong. i mean, I mean there's so much so. I mean, this is the whole conversation, right? We spend hours jumping into all of this stuff. But I guess when I'm saying national or international governing body, um, I'm referring, I mean, it depends on who I'm speaking to directly. So if I'm saying Parkour Earth, I'm identifying it as a legitimate actor and a legitimate international federation because it's the only international federation that literally has federated. So six mm. national parkour federations coming together to create an international body for parkour versus IPF. That's a group of people who started a federation um, or started something titled as a federation yeah. um, that they, they didn't want to be that. in charge of and on then on board members from other countries or mm. FIG's approach of essentially um, it's been described to me as annexing parkour under an existing federation model. Um, so I would say um, in terms of that process, Parkour Earth, Parkour Earth is the only truly legitimate international parkour federation. But as you say, Callum, that doesn't ultimately, the IOC would only recognize one at an international level on the Olympic program and FIG already has the relationship with the IOC. Um, but um, Nicholas, I don't know how closely you're involved or, or watch other sports and things. I mean, there are, uh, lots of other sports that also have multiple competing federations. One often will have uh, Olympic recognition and others don't, um, right. but they still continue to deliver events, competitions, um, other kinds of programs and things. So even if FIG or any body has uh, parkour uh, at the Olympics under their particular banner, it doesn't necessarily um, prevent another body from continuing to exist or having some particular role um, internationally right yeah all right thanks that that's helps okay um so yeah nicholas how how did you become involved in this um because i i i read on the um the Kip, keeper magazine post which was really good by the way um and i really appreciate your honesty in that post um but yeah care to to run us through um how you got involved and uh yeah just some insights from the inside pretty much yeah uh so i tried to make this the story short uh, you know I, I was coaching back in the days so I, I tried to establish a school a parkour school here in switzerland um and very soon i think many coaches can relate to that you're missing out on, on coaches on, on on people to get involved and because the, the request also thanks to store um, is pretty large so you can have a, a lot of students who want to learn parkour um, but to get coaches is pretty difficult 
So I was teaching already for some years and, and teaching workshops with different organizations. I was involved in at, at universities, so teaching teachers and was also in, in like clubs and stuff. And also sometimes I, I was teaching for, for the Swiss Gymnastics Federation, but I didn't know what it was. It was just another client which requested to do some courses. And when I saw the problem um, of not having enough coaches, I was looking for organizations which have a bigger network than I had personally. Mm. So, but this was like maybe 2015, 2016. So I approached uh, the Swiss Federation and asked, hey, what do you think? Um, can we use your, your coaches network to, to find people? Because, you know, in the clubs, there were still people which were not only doing gymnastics. I don't know how the gymnastics federations are, are elsewhere, but we had many sports governed under this, under this national federation. Um, but back at the day, it, parkour was not big enough. It, it was not of an interest. We had a good cooperation still with, with workshops, but it was nothing to like collaborating with a, with a network or, or anything like this. Um, and then the, actually, I guess it was you put out the, the fuck fig uh, hashtag. And for, I didn't for me, start that. <laughs> no, I don't was, know who started that one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was so sure it was you. <laughs> it was it was Motus that had it on a that do, it does seem very very Stora to to use profanity in the, in the propaganda or whatever. But uh, no. but it was Motus that had it on. <laughs> it was Motus that had it on a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. So, carry on. So, so for me, at, at this time, it was, I'm a pretty happy guy. And, and I, as I said, I enjoyed training and, and hanging around with, with people. And for me, this didn't fit into this community, like this much of hate. Of course, we have seen other discussions, but this mm. much of hate. And I was wondering, what is it all about? I didn't know what FIG was. And um, so I, I was researching a little bit because I wanted to, to have my own opinion. What, what's behind that? Uh, and so the Swiss Federation actually contacted me back then again and uh, said there's an introductory course in Baku with Charles. And I, I said that I want to attend and I got the, the manuals for it. And it was written gymnastics parkour. And I said, all right, it already starts really bad. And mm. I said, OK, let's still give it a chance and go there. And when I was there, things were pretty much different. So I had really good conversations with Charles. Um, I don't know if you have trained with him, like he did the, the Yamakasi trainings. And it was really mm. a, a great experience to see the, the origin of parkour and, and see where it has developed uh, until now. So I saw it's, it's not a really bad thing in my eyes, in my opinion, what, what he's doing. Mm. Uh, um, like, I think half a year later, the, the, the commission dropped out and they were recruiting new people. So the Swiss Federation, again, I was not working with them. They, they knew I do parkour. They sent me um, they sent me this, this letter. They sent to all the federations, like they're looking for people uh, getting involved in the commission. And I thought, okay, I don't have a bad picture about FIG. Um, I, I want to know more because I think all of you knew how hard it is to get any information. So I have seen some of the open letters and the responses. So I wanted to get more information. So I, I applied and uh, Charles selected me. To, to do this job and uh, I went for the first meeting and that's basically how I ended up inside the FIG. Was there was there anything um, specifically talking to Charles Perrier um, that like anything about his vision that captured you um, and caught your interest like uh, was there anything he spoke about visions for the future of parkour and how gymnastics can help or anything that, like yeah as you, as you know like um, 
Charles and probably most of the Yamakasi are not really competitive either. So yeah. what what his vision was and and what fitted to my opinion as well is like parkour is a great way of movement and mm. wants to share it with as many people as possible. And he, he thought that that the FIG would be a way which allows to make this very quickly. Mm. So this is this is as much as I'm informed um, to to spread parkour and to share it with other people. This is like the 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 main reason for him and 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 also seeing FIG as a as a corporation which can make this possible on a on a certain size. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does. It does always strike me as weird, um, like remembering um, how much of the Yamakasi and David Bell dogma was surrounding, um, like anti-competition and everything. Like how much of that as a meme was like trickled down through the parkour community for so long, and we just like the majority of us had just gotten over it, and then, um, <clears throat> and then we find out that david bell and charles are um both going into bed with gymnastics and kind of um uh for competition not only competition but the biggest parkour well the biggest competition in the world in sport uh the olympics yeah, it always strikes me as as strange um i guess um this is for both of you i don't know who wants to go first but um what were some of the mistakes and lazy inaccuracies that I made <laughs> in the um in the podcast with Max and Benj? Assuming you've you've both heard it, um, because I've definitely gotten some hate from both sides, from Parkour Earth and and Fig, uh, the athletes, I mean. Um, so yeah, here's pretty much your opportunity to tear me a new one and tell me no. You're full of shit, Callum. You were wrong, um, and pretty much set the record straight for everyone listening. Um, who wants to go first? <laughs> sure. Um, all of it was wrong. No. <laughs> um, I guess. I mean, I mean, some of the key points was you know, parkour, parkour Earth is full of old. Oh, they're all old school conservative old men who are anti competition. I think was was. Uh, I guess a sort of a, a, a general um there were lots of big generalizations <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I mean I assumed that to be the case uh, um some other people spoke to me uh perhaps a little bit more harshly of the things you said than I sort of thought of of for myself um but I mean first of all it's not all guys and we were founded with um <clears throat> Professor Belinda Wheaton uh was on the initial uh, oh, really? board as, as an independent director um Another... so she's done another parkour phd well she was she was actually uh happened to be my uh supervisor for my oh, phd but she's no from brighton um, yeah, 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 and yeah. she uh, and she did research for the ioc on olympic uh, on action sports in the olympic games mm. um, lynn was and... speaking to her uh, when lynn was doing her masters on parkour as well um okay she was speaking to belinda as well yeah and so her and her colleague Holly's recommendations were for the AOC to work with legitimate, authentic action sports bodies and not with the traditional federations from her research. Anyway, she was part of the formation of Parkour Earth. Um, so um, that can't be all dudes if she's part of the mix. Um, but she's since um, shifted on. 
Um, and you can read about uh, why in her book. Um, but if we really want to get into that, we can talk about that another time. Um, but um, but then currently we have uh, Christina from Denmark um, and Adelaide from France on the board. Um, I think most of us are around our thirties. Um, so uh, I mean, obviously there are the the demographic for parkour has gotten younger and younger and younger. I think when I started, it was uh, in New Zealand at least it was primarily adults, young adults, and some um, older teenagers. Now I'm you know uh, I'm sure the same with maybe your your parkour school, Nicholas, where parents are calling up and saying, "Do you have something for my four year old um, to get into parkour?" Um, so obviously it's shifted younger. So maybe if you're in your thirties, you're now an old old timer. Um, I don't know. Um, I think we only have we only have one person in their sixties. So um, um, and then in terms of competition, um, there are there are you sort of said split down the middle. I mean, I don't know where you get your data from, Callum, but um, there is a range of opinions within the board as to um, the future, the value of competition, etc. Um, for myself as CEO, so I don't have a vote on the board um, as I'm part of the executive team, um, but I have participated in and run New Zealand's national competition um, right. every every April. So yeah. um, it's not my favourite form of participation. Um, but I'm not about to stop it. And I recognize um, the value that, and the importance that it does have. Um, but yeah, so um, those so are there, some of the things that... There are more of a diverse range of opinions and people within the Parkour Earth board than I gave credit for, pretty much. For sure. And and if yeah. you jump, I mean, um, if you jump on our website and you look at what our, our vision is, and I um, thank you, Nicholas, for, I guess, commending us for essentially this, but it, it's a connected and empowered global parkour community. And because it's so disparate, that is a challenge. Um, but, I mean, yeah. part of my thesis was looking at how how different it actually is you know um i think you made a comment uh in the in the podcast and and, and we heard lots of people on on youtube videos and stuff talk about it you know that we've moved on from the the competition conversation mm. but there are hundreds and thousands of practitioners that are still very uninterested or even against competition globally yeah. um but don't necessarily have the voice of those that are participating or interested in competition. So, mm. but then at the same time, those that say that parkour is non-competitive neglect the fact that actually there is a large swathe of the community that also participate and deliver and run competitions and have an interest in their growth. Um, mm. And so there's a need to hold these competing tensions and, and recognize both of those things. And so for Parkour Earth to be truly international and look after the global community um, and be the global community it has to be open to all of those viewpoints so um, while there might be personal preferences the people on the board are very professional in terms of their communication with me and what I do in order to enact um, the things that they're talking about and so we want diversity of participants and practice we want mm. those diversity of, of opinion um, so we are neither um, pro competition to the point that we don't care about history or tradition or the fact that some people uh, find difficulties um, and issues with competition, nor are we anti-competition um, yeah. um, as well. So I think yeah. it's important for us to convey. I think it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's super important as a international governing body to try and represent 
the broader parkour community but i feel like um when there is a hostile takeover like the one that fig is uh has been making since 2017 um i feel like there needs to be like i know that uh parkour earth is trying to be democratic in every in every way um but in the current circumstances um i should hope that everyone in the parkour community would put aside um their anti-competition or anti well competition indifference to recognize that this is probably a better thing to try and do as in parkour earth trying to create an alternative um at this time um mm. but yeah i, I, I just that's... hope that it's not a i hope that it's not halting progress too much trying to uh represent this group because i hope this group that are indifferent or anti-competition realize that it probably needs to be done i don't know yeah, I mean, if you if you talk to different uh, members, if you talk to the Czech Republic, who are one of our members, they're like, we want the European Championships yesterday. You know, it, it needs to yeah. be happening right right now. Um, and um, and then others don't have competition sort of currently under their remit. So again, there's there's uh, diversity within the members and their their opinions. Um, but I mean, I guess you in terms of in opposition to fig or an alternative to fig competitions um whether it's to try and get into the olympics instead of um fig or just as an uh, as a uh, a more grassroots alternative um one of the things you said is that the only thing that parkour has done is write open letters um and so yes we did write open letters um mm. and i guess the point of being open letters was to make that public because yeah. information was was behind the scenes uh and parkour Earth, um, didn't want to, uh, or just wanted to keep the park, the community abreast as much as possible. That was not Fig's preference, um, yeah. um, and would have preferred only private communication. Um, and but well, that's that's yeah, one reason why the um, many of the parkour commission um, dropped out in 2018, and they made an open letter to the parkour community explaining that that was the reason why was the lack of transparency and the lack of um, them being able to actually make any meaningful change within the ranks. Um, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, all, we continue to develop ourselves and that is that in itself is significant. I mean, if you think about the fact that we're all volunteers, I volunteer as a CEO of a national federation and the international federation, but I have a day job and a wife and kids and a, a large dog um, who responds to the store a whistle as it's, uh, <laughs> it's whistle. <Yes>. Uh, <laughs> I do it now, but she's fast asleep. Um, but so in order to enact some of the things that we're working on, it, it unfortunately does take longer time um, to go through the processes that we need to. Um, one of the things that we have just done recently, the board has adopted our partnership and sponsorship policy that's kind of necessary if we're going to have some of these robust, you know, you talked about events of, or something of substance. Um, we could put something out really crap with 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 no money or no support uh, from the community um, that likely would get as much hate um, as um, the recent world championships from FIG. Um, yeah. So rather than 
doing that process or again rushing and not having anyone at the people who need to be at the table um um and making that call is essentially what fig did when it brought parkour under its remit in the first place mm. um so um i guess we have those tensions of what not wanting to be guilty of the things that we're fighting against yeah um and the thing is that if you if you track where sport is going, there is a significant trend globally in decline in participation in traditional sport. And so what is the purpose of an international sport federation? And primarily it's run the international sporting championships um, and support and develop the sport globally. Mm. But what does that mean for parkour? Most of what I've seen from FIG uh is about gunning for the Olympics to kind of what seems it looks like, I guess, protecting its stake in parkour by getting it on the Olympic program. Um, I don't know if that's accurate, um, but that process then, like even if we bring parkour into the Olympics under Parkour Earth, what is everything else that the parkour community does? It's, it's huge and significant and it's hugely widespread. And so um, we can't put all our eggs into that um competition basket um as sort of a you know it's only the, the only means or purpose of parkour earth i think that would be a mistake and we would be playing to a game that these other international sports federations are uh, are doing but they are scrambling to to keep their members and to keep participation because of shift towards activities like parkour so if we go and become somebody else that's not our not our sport not our culture um then we risk falling into the same same issues sure okay all that to be said we are submitting out our strategic plan at our agm in early december in a couple of weeks time which includes the things you're looking for so okay in terms of the development um, of something whether it's by parkour earth or whether it's as you talked about you know actually supporting the existing industry-led parkour competitions that have lots of value and lots of support and trust mm. Um, globally like sport park or league or you know like some of these other events and things that exist um, it may be better to elevate those things than develop something new again um, which is i guess the point of the whole competition uh parkour competition research project that we're undertaking what is everything that's happened to date where is it going what things have failed what things are really positive what's the community supporting competition formats are still evolving um, you know, just looking at your, you know, your your big wall open street mm. competition um, and the interest that that seemed to garner, um, it, it's ever evolving. So again, to jump into something really like immediately within that first three years when we were established before mm. I was CEO, um, then all of a sudden there's all these new formats already. Um, yeah. So uh, it needs to be flexible and it needs to account for all of that change. And so that's the point of the competition research project to understand what's happening to make some good decisions for the community globally mm. um, i'm going to take a drink sorry talking too much <laughs> um yeah i was going to ask about the um competition research project um and i definitely wouldn't say the big wall open would be um olympics standard uh <laughs> um i don't know bring bring trolleys into the code of points <laughs> yeah potentially that will get uh uh, more kickback than the the fig comps um so this the agm uh is that a 
is that a public thing that anyone can join and chime in with? Uh, it isn't at this stage. I mean, it's open to all the, all the members uh, participating. It's not supposed to be specifically private, um, but we haven't worked out how exactly we do that um, without just ha having open slather to the online community who right. who might want to jump in and um, uh, and and take over the proceedings. So, um, sure. it, if it was in person, then it is certainly an open um, yeah. public forum. Um, so it's attend, just the board. It, it's the board members and the uh, other national governing bodies that you have under. Yeah, 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 the, the members. So it's the equivalent of yeah. the FIG Congress, but just on a smaller scale. That <laughs> sounds legit. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, then, uh, Nicholas, same same to you. What lazy inaccuracies um, do a lot of the FIG athletes have a problem with from the recent podcast? As I think we're not talking about the assassinations, uh, assassinations you were talking about. Oh um, yeah, no. yeah. We're uh, not going to assassinate uh, Watanabe. Don't worry about that. Good, good. Um, no, just one personal thing first uh, about Chris Harmit. Of course, so, you, know, you know he's, he's... I know him since 2011. He's a good kid, and uh, it's always lovely to have training sessions with him. And mm. I think he's a quite uh, smart guy. So. This is yeah, just he, a personal he, thing. It has nothing to do with FIG. He, uh, he, um, he actually messaged me. He was very disappointed uh, about that joke. And um, I said, come on, man, it's just a joke. I also called Mark Van Sweeten an evil villain. Like, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I completely get it. I, I obviously, um, yeah, no harm was meant to be done. I wasn't intentionally trying to break a bridge um, between harm at, um, but yeah, I sometimes forget that thousands of people can listen to these podcasts. No hard, no hard, like <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, Christian Harmit, just on the record. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, no, uh, things, I mean, many, many things are personal opinion. Uh, one thing about the courses, uh, the courses are, are modular on the FIG mm. competitions at the moment. Um there are things we have to, to look for, like audience all around, so we cannot make too many levels or, or things. So those models, some stay the same, of course. That's that's why you probably thought if you look at one or two competitions that it's always the same. Um, they are switched up. There are added new models. Uh, the courses have different length. Um, we play a lot with checkpoints, for example, so that, that it's that's a different way, different technique sometimes. I don't say there is no way for improvement. There definitely is, um, but it's not always the same course. And and for the people running it, uh, they, they need they need to have something else in mind than just just one course. Right. So how much does it, um, uh, particularly for the speed, how how much does it change? Because it does look the same for anyone that isn't running the course or studied it immensely from videos. It does look um, pretty similar. Is it just parts that are moving? Um, so so those models are being switched up and right. new models are added. And um, very often also the bar sections vary. So like you have lower rails, you have higher bars. Um, mm. The checkpoints, like sometimes you have to go underneath something, over something, between something. Um, there's not... Maybe that's why you, you, you say that it's it's still a lot of running based, like 
really if if you run fast uh, you, mm. you you need some technical abilities but we have not seen things like a 180 arm jump or or like uh big sutra um cat leap big soft, uh, big uh, cat leaps or, or mm. things like this and and of course this is something we we want to learn and include in future to get this technical diversity also including choices of course uh, so that it's not like like you say now, now it's really a race also uh, people are most of the people are doing doing the same strategies yeah uh, because there are not too many options yeah uh, but but uh, I, I hope we will see this in the future that there are different options and that it's not only a leg game but also bring it yeah 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 i mean even jared luti uh said in the recent um article by jake chapman for motus um that he said practically anyone could do the course um anyone coming off the street um could complete it but then it just comes down to um who who has the most powerful legs and who doesn't gas out the first who can maintain the same power um and yeah even even a lot of the wall runs like go up slanted walls and everything and mm. yeah no there it's it's you, you don't like slanted walls <laughs> oh we at star love started walls competition on slanted wall no, uh, <laughs> come on it's different <laughs> that's true no what, one thing about about the course and its difficulty and everybody can do it um the you, you know the the stamina thing this definitely originates in in the yamakasi spirit you know uh, so this is something which which is important also for charles that stamina is a is an important factor you may like it or not like it it's okay um the the second thing is we are i said sharing parkour with the world is is one of the visions and we are having big diversity in our competitions. So unlike in many other competitions, there's not like um, a big qualifying process before it, of course it goes over the national federations. They do send athletes, but um, they have like eight slots. They could send eight athletes uh, per national federation, speaking about 40 countries now for the FIG world championship. So this is a lot of athletes. And um, the nice thing is the inclusion. We, we uh, have a lot of different countries, um, also developing countries talking about parkour, which don't do parkour for a long time. Mm. And I mean, in... some, some of the people participating um, that I feel like they just, um, they get involved um, just to have that representation of countries, but then they're, it seems like they're having a real trouble of getting actual parkour athletes to join and i've i've heard they've had break dancers take part in style and uh maybe track athletes and uh gymnasts and and people that really have no history within parkour um it's the, it's the challenge these. of action sports in general when they've gone into the olympics and the olympic program in general while it certainly does have some of the most amazing athletes in the world it is not a, these are not competitions of only the top athletes in the world because it is meant to diversify across all countries submitting uh, athletes mm. to the games yes they have to qualify um for their sports but you know when when snowboarding came into the olympics um under skiing snowboarders i guess 
moaned or complained or you know critiqued the fact that it wasn't the best snowboarders because there were people from places that would never rank in their actual industry-led um, mm. competitions so i'm seeing i guess the same same scenario yeah yeah and and representation of many countries as possible like it sounds like a good thing i i heard even in surfing they're trying to like china because they're they're just medal hungry and always have been medal hungry in the olympics um they've even tried to just get a surfing team together for the olympics and um and they don't have a great history in surfing but just because like it's now a sport in the olympics they're trying to just muddle a team together that surf and yeah Tell them, what, what do you think about this? Um, for, for many, for example, Rwanda was there or Swaziland or, or these countries. And of yeah. course, these people came and uh, they made some people maybe do one year of parkour. And, and this can be people from the street, not even from gymnastics or other sports. So let's just say somebody started parkour recently coming uh, to this place. Mm. I think it's a, when we think about sharing parkour, it's a big opportunity because the event is usually live streamed or at least recorded and and, and spread after in, in any way. And yeah. for the people back in the country, it, it's a big motivation to see, hey, our guy was at this competition. Yeah. And and now I also want to try this. So we have, for example, um maybe Damien knows is in the e-fise. So from from the FISE Fest, Festival International Sport Extreme, um we had an online version and there were the people from Fiji. And yeah. they submitted they didn't have the infrastructure, many of them. So one guy submitted a, a parkour video in the forest, but they had a lot of support fr from their country and, and many people uh, started doing parkour and getting involved in the sport. And that, I think this always remembers me on back in the days when we got involved in the sport. Mm. It, it was like nice sharing. We had people from breakdancing. We had people from other sports joining. Yeah. And for me personally, it will never, was never a problem. I think what you're talking about is more like how does it look after and pretty much yeah to, um i don't know the word uh we want to to keep the sport or how it's uh displayed we want to keep it like yeah. original, right? i guess i guess the main thing is is uh on on the world stage like seeing what's what's dubbed the world championships you'd like to see uh the best in the world and and i think people viewing that don't know parkour too well would expect to see that as well and it is it'll just kind of be it'll be viewed as kind of weird to to not get that although i do get your point that is a, a very good point just having that uh representation for these um developing countries can act as a, a stepping off point to to start a community essentially like yeah who knows you know, also, also for the other athletes, I think it, it gives a lot of opportunities that the FIG offers a, a regular competition series. So they have at least two competitions a year, sometimes four. So for, for the people which really want to compete and to get professional athletes, they have the exposure, they uh, they have the possibility to actually compete on a regular basis. I think there there are some pros, and I totally agree with you, and uh, I would like to have further discussion about this. Is how, how it looks and of course there's this discussion with style you told me um there were break dancers involved and if you think about taishi from japan he's with mission uh, mission tokyo and then senshimara and the people so he's mm -hmm. into park for a long time but he's just representing this breaking style he's doing like those those flares okay, directly sure. 
gate flip. And it's always a question of style also. And then it comes down to judging, right? So what do we select and how do we differentiate it in a in an as objective way as possible? How you make those differences? Mm. Uh, so I think there is where the big part of, of the work needs to happen. Yeah. The irony for me, um, and I, I don't know if, Kellen, you mentioned it or whether it was Renee and Tom in their STS um, podcast, but they basically, it was a comment that it looked like obstacle course speed and obstacle course style, um, which were the original names before it was identified that parkour was Fig's goal um, of what they were describing as these events. And for me, looking at it, um, that's what it looked like. It looked like an obstacle course race, and it looked like um, some kind of acrobatic display on those obstacles, but it didn't really look to me like the parkour competitions that I see um, mm. around the world. In fact, it actually looked to me like gymnastics. Yeah. I don't know whether that's the if that's the point, then I guess that's a strike against FIG in the sense of saying that parkour is unique and 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 it's going to be fine and it's going to be autonomous, um, which is impossible under FIG. But the concept that it's going to be you know preserved and looked after, but yet already it looks like gymnastics. Yeah, we can get into the um, style judging format and um, the anomalous uh kind of style runs that that creates a bit later on but i'd like to give uh nicholas just another chance to um uh, call out any more inaccuracies from the podcast because i'm sure there are others um was there anything else no problem you and others maybe but i i think uh as i remember right now i, I mean i listen to podcasts but those are the, the ones i remember now or do you have something else which you thought um maybe just uh, okay uh, maybe, maybe one more thing is just uh you took you took it uh, we're talking about the takeover of parkour through fig so just what, what i wanted to state here um is that we are always happy to see people doing something on the site so it's not like fig is the sole governing body or that that like the fig is like the only organization doing parkour so we are very happy if if other pu people push it if other people are successful uh within it um within the sports so definitely just for for the understanding and clarification um that it's not that fig sees itself as the sole player in parkour it's just one kind of movement they they want to participate in Right. Yeah, I have to challenge that because um, if if Fig was just another Red Bull, another industry player providing something and enabling something, then that would be the case um, because anyone can set up something and provide another opportunity for athletes to participate in uh, and present a, um, a version and, and, and that's fine or not fine depending on what people's values and participation in parkour looks like. But because Fig is an international governing body for sport anything that it sits under its that it claims sits under its uh um aegis is the word you know that it looks after then it is claiming a right to governing that sport as one of its sports so it can't not say that parkour is is all these other things and 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 that's fine as well as saying but it is ours because we now 
uh, claiming ownership of it because we voted on it to be in charge of it. Um, and one of the things that uh, is the happens that you know Parkour Earth's application um, and communication with GISIF, the Global Alliance for International Sports Federations, um, will not allow us to enter unless we come to some kind of agreement with FIG. So Parkour Earth will not would not be given the opportunity to have parkour at the Olympics um, without FIG saying so. So FIG has again enabled itself to be in this position because of its existing relationships. And so while there's lots of, um, uh, I guess, claims to you know being open to all these kinds of versions, that's the case because they exist. But I don't think it's truly accurate because of the fact that they're literally voting and claiming parkour. Otherwise, they would not be um, acting in the way it has. I do understand your worries, uh, Damien. Um, questionnaire, I, I assume you're not a member of GNZ, right? Sorry? You, no, I'm not Gymnastics New Zealand member. So you're not a member, right? So um, if FIG is voting, FIG is the whole structure uh, with, with their national federations, and they can only vote for, for themselves, right? So they cannot vote what Damien in New Zealand is doing or practicing. So they, they decided to, to offer parkour to their member federations and including them, which doesn't basically affect you um, if you're not a member of it. And even if you're a member of it, you, you don't necessarily need to participate in parkour. Um, again, I, I get your point, but there's significant local impact that's negatively influencing the parkour community because of the things that FIG has done. So again, um, you know, you talked about you didn't see any concern. I mean, I have absolute fundamental concerns with what FIG is doing and don't know how anyone can support it if, through the way it was. Um, you know, I'll make pretty clear here. If the members of Parkour Earth said, we want you to negotiate with FIG, we would love Parkour to be in the Olympics and we're happy for FIG to be in charge of that. Let's meet with them and negotiate that. That is absolutely what Parkour Earth would do. We're, we're here to support the views of the membership and the global community. Um, so that's the, that's the part of the point. But FIG never gave that democratic voice to Parkour. They never gave that autonomy uh, and recognised the autonomy of parkour being unique and distinct or parkour Earth being at the international federation um, for parkour. And so that opportunity wasn't provided. But there's yeah. still an opportunity. There's still a future or a scenario where the, the community says parkour Earth, negotiate, discuss a merger. What would be the requirements to enter into that process to ensure the uh, you know, the things that we wanted protected through that relationship. Um, but the FIG has said, come and support the things that we want to do. Do you want to support the things we want? Um, and not a, a, a sort of a giving over to us. But I mean, if you want to talk about the, the local negative impact of what FIG is doing on a national uh, and local level, I have lots of evidence for that. Yeah, I, I um, <clears throat> FIG has from the start demonstrated that they've been anything but democratic um, considering um, most of the parkour community were up in arms from the start. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd be curious to hear um, 
what each of you think the pros and cons are of uh, FIG's involvement in parkour, not only in, in the Olympics, but also as an international governing body. Um, uh, who would like to start anything that springs to mind? I mean, there's, there's heaps of of things on 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 both sides you know if you if you discount any of the the actions taken the attitudes the behaviors if you just look at you know the activity in the olympics um under an existing federation um clearly there's already greater financing available um through fig um they already have the relationship with gaisif and the ioc uh, they already have WADA accreditation, so going through the process of anti-doping and, and the regulations and things that you need um, to do it at that level um, in terms of uh, anti-doping is, is present, and they're already on the Olympic program. So, to again, to have that pathway, Nicholas, I think you said, Charles kind of talked about the fact that the FIG has this platform and enable to, um, I guess, do it at pace in a way that can't be done um, with any other uh, model that exists is is, is true um, so those are some of the things that i guess are obvious to me um as as pros for working with or having parkour under um fig if you have other things to add nicholas um i just can repeat myself uh, i think that the, the things with the structure the vada and everything um which is already done helps a lot um, I think inclusion is a is a big part um, for me to have this global network and and to access country which didn't have access to parkour before. Um, also, also uh, those clear structures, uh, a certain amount. You don't probably don't see this from outside, but the transparent the transparency in the rules. Um, so it, it's a certain kind of fairness in the competitions. You may not like the rules, that's another topic for later, I guess, but they are transparent. The people know what they have to prepare for. Mm. Um, yeah, I think those those are things. And 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 what I said before with the, the competition series, which allows um, exposure for the athletes on a regular basis, um, which allows professionals, athletes to, to compete more often if they like to. Uh, th those are, are uh, pros for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the opportunities that they're giving is a genuine um, positive. And as well as um, there have been many promises of um, parkour parks and indoor spaces being built in um, in developing countries as well. And the opportunities to actually um, build communities in those places and spread parkour and participation and everything, which sounds like something that we do all want. Um, but it is, um, it is kind of just like, until we start seeing stuff, like who, who knows whether that is just an empty promise and, but oh, it's the same, it's the that. same from the, it's the same from the other side as well. When we're like, when we're concerned about fig taking more claim to what they will. So like, um, the idea that they're going to take over our industry and you're not going to be able to have a coaching certification without, um, because FIG is going to have the only, um, government credited, um, coaching certification and, uh, and you can't compete without, um, their standards and everything like th there's that risk, but that is only, 
Like there is no guarantee that those things are going to happen in the same way that there is no guarantee that um, the good stuff that they're promising is going to happen. Like who, who's to say that they aren't just going to funnel the money that comes in through parkour's interest back into their other gymnastic disciplines and um, pretty much siphon any money that comes in that should be coming into our industry back into gymnastics. Um, but yeah, like I said, we don't know any of these things. We don't know what they're going to do. And um, I know it's hard for you, Nicholas, because you're not, you're not a representative of FIG. Like you, you don't know what uh, Watanabe's plans and designs on parkour are, but I know you are um, going on, on good faith and, uh, like you you believe in their vision um sorry i'll stop talking because <laughs> i realize I, in, I interrupted you um maybe uh for, for the example here of the, the parkour facilities i know one example i'm not sure if it's mexico or colombia but they built a huge park uh, i know that they are, that they are yeah it's, it's an it's a nice one uh, i guess i have not been there but i, I held national competitions there so um, if this has been done, then I know that Azerbaijan, for example, is, is planning to do a huge part. Uh, I have seen the, the draws and the, the concepts from, from the building company already. Um, so there are things being done. Uh, I know that it's, you know, we are all coming from the background, like we train ourselves as athletes and, and uh, we have maybe gyms or something. And everything can be done pretty fast, right? And, mm -hmm. and so we are usually used to get information pretty quickly. And I also have to get used to, to this within the FIG that sometimes it takes a long time until you get some information because processes with the voting and everything takes a long time. The situation with the with the certificates, it's, that's an important one also from the, from the last podcast because uh, I think uh, Louis Alkimin is having a talk, a talk with Chris about it as well because the situation occurs, as I heard, in Portugal. So what's very important, um, who are the players here and... Um, in this case, it's the Portuguese National Federation. It's not the FIG. Um, so the FIG right. can just can just do recommendations for their national federations. So it's not like you have to. The FIG can just speak recommendations in in, in these situations. So um, and this surely didn't happen. So this is the the acting of the of the Portuguese National Federation. I I called the people from there uh, to find out a little bit more. I'm not Portuguese. I, I don't have full insight, but mm. but here is what I can share. Um, if I understood it right, if you are teaching in a club, in any club, doesn't need to be uh, associated with with the uh, with the gymnastics federation, the national gymnastics federation, um, for security or safety reasons or insurance reasons, um, you need to have a certificate, and it doesn't matter which sports you're playing. So it can be soccer, it can be basketball, whatever. Um, so in order that you're allowed uh, to, to hold a class or, or teach, you need a certification. And what I heard now is that, that um, the Portuguese National Federation offers such a certification and they are the official partner of the sports government or however it's called. Um, so I also ask, but is it still possible to... To hold like classes outdoors or whatever and and the, the only answer i got like it, nobody is controlling it so it would be mm. basically possible my question here is like 
in, in this case is why is there nobody from parkour directly being involved already from before you know parkour is around for so many years and mm. this is a topic now and the, the national gymnastics federation like offers this this education which is now being accepted by the by the sports governance so but why, why nobody did this before like yeah, i guess did... other countries have been a bit more proactive with that uh and we're lucky in um in the uk that we have parkour uk and their coaching certification that is um that is recognized by uh sport england sport england or england sport um and that that took like that's been um many years since that's been in effect that one and and it's i think the main thing is recognition um by insurers is is that's that's the main thing that um people exactly. need because there's nothing actually stopping you from your holding outdoor classes or whatever but if someone hurts yourself in your class and wants to sue you uh if you don't have insurance then you can pretty much be it's different things are different in different nations i mean yeah we we have a a coaching certification in new zealand um but it, lewis said that this this parkour, portuguese parkour school wanted to create a parkour coaching course but they were denied by the sports and youth department because the portuguese federation were claiming ownership of parkour because of their right. affiliation to fig um so they would like to create it but they can't because they're being blocked um, yeah but this means this has been after 2018 or something like this so yeah but this yeah. is I, this is very often a problem that you know the parkour is very free-minded and not thinking about structures and i think that's why very often the, the, the parkour organizations are a little bit in delay on those things and now awareness is raised when fig is coming up right yeah but it, do you it think seems like everyone's if... everyone's on the defensive rather than actually like it, it, and it really shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't have to be on the defensive. Like, um, we should. Well, that's be able what I'm interested in knowing. Like, if yeah, if if Nicholas, in your opinion, do you think if a if a national community, um, or any sub community within a nation wants to set up these things themselves, do you think they should be blocked by the gymnastics federation? Do you think they should have to follow a gymnastics program, whether that's something that's being administered by FIG or or by the the national gymnastics federation? So, um, you have to know the things. It's it's not a FIG or National Federation decision. So those decisions are taken by the the sports governance or or either you were take, talking about guys before. Um, so the decision is not taken by by FIG or the National Federations. It's taken by those organizations who they want to collaborate with. And some sometimes it, if you're thinking in, from the the view of an insurer, so whom do they trust sometimes you know like a big organization which the, the spotlight is on so things are easier seen or would you trust some people which don't have a have a big history uh, in sports yet because it, it needs to be built up you know if the, the the people from this governing or insurance institutions are choosing they are free to choose whoever they want, right? So it's not like uh, the, the national federations, which would have the power to say nobody else is allowed. It's it's the organizations which do that. Well, I, but what I don't do you know. think should be available? 
do you think parkour communities should be do you think parkour communities should be able to make these decisions to develop the their their own certifications because in different countries again it's different models so yeah, in some I, cases I, I, I it's the government ministry different. it's very different in many uh, many places um i i do think we need to have parkour people involved as much as possible but i don't know what would be the the best way to do that you know um Let's say you cannot change it if an insurer chooses the National Federation. And I would love to see parkour people getting involved there. You know, also in Portugal, it's not only gymnastics people. There are some parkour guys involved there. Um, but I also know that that from your, from, from your perspective, this is not, not a choice. Um, but getting parkour people involved there, in my eyes, would be a good thing. If they can get the, the certification themselves, themselves great. Great, it's it's not a problem. We we need the the, the knowledge from from the parkour people, but mm. we also need the, the knowledge like like you know it from setting up a federation. You need the no, the knowledge of the law. You need to know how structures work and all those things. And therefore, it's great to have parkour people, but we can also exchange with other people which are totally not related to sports, right? I, I, yeah, definitely agree with that. I guess my, my fundamental concern is the essentially the giving over of the IP, the intellectual pro pro property to another sport to ultimately be in, in charge of. I think in, in my view, it's better for the parkour community to have the time to develop and learn um, whether that is in relationship with those organizations that are more established, but not to then give over um, ownership or you know the decision-making control to a different group. Definitely, because I think it can be a symbiosis in this sense that the structures are already there. You don't need to invest another five years to build new structures, um, but you can get involved. And and as you said, I don't know who is saying who is taking final decisions. Very often in the federations, it's being voted. Um, so you have a commission, for example, um, and everybody has one voice. The president has two. So as soon as we have more parkour people in those commissions, basically the, the, the final vote will be done by parkour people. I feel like with the with the coaching qualifications, America is a good one to look at because I I think they have three or four and maybe even more than that. I think they have like probably more. <laughs> um yeah, like they have WFPF, um Apex have a certification, uh probably the movement creative and there's probably loads of them but what what fig can do is so so it's it's a healthy competitive market essentially which which works on competition and the consumer can choose which one they prefer whose standards are better um and it's the same with trying to get like a pt qualification and everything uh and they're all recognized by insurance insurers um but i think what fig will be able to do is essentially be recognized um by insurers not by their competency and by having good quality coaching standards but simply because they have governmental power and they can pretty much uh i don't know it, it, they can just delegitimize the other um coaching standards and courses that already exist and i don't know like but judging by um the style competition formats and how they've just seem to have pulled a entirely new <clears throat> judging system out of a hat 
and try to reinvent the wheel. Um, I don't think their coaching standards and their courses are going to be actually based on anything. Um, it might just be the 3G courses rebranded, <laughs> um, which is what yeah. I'm expecting. It might be something better, but I don't yeah, know. I it think... depends who's. It depends who they've got to develop these from the parkour community, but I don't know. I think Nicholas makes a good point in the sense that in each country, whether it's a uh, a government ministry, whether it's the National Olympic Committee in some cases is the highest sports body, whether it's insurers or different bodies that have a, uh, have a stake within the sports game to kind of make decisions, that they end up might have the the ultimate kind of control that might shape and for, for positive or negative within a nation in regards to some of these conversations around parkour and autonomy and the different policies and procedures and certifications that exist. Um, but they're only in that position to kind of do that at this the scale and create some of these uh, negative scenarios because of the fact that FIG has staked this claim. And so, as you say, Callum, they have claimed ownership at a level that gives them voice and power whether they want it or or not in the sense of to control in the way that it has now in response it's creating lots of local issues yeah um yeah any anything to to say nicholas any just so since we're the three of us here, so I don't think that it's it's anyways going to happen one way or the other. Like national federations are doing parkour, FIG is doing parkour now. So the question is, wouldn't it be better if more parkour people get involved? So the way like to to get involved in the national federations to actually shape things. Yeah, um, because as we talked before, those processes take are taking a long time for for development, and the the more parkour people which are in those commissions and which are in decision making places, um, I think the better we can display the this the sports or the forms of movement we, we would love. Yeah, I mean that, I think... that is a very good point. Like if if say with the competitions, if sport parkour league got involved, and um with fig and they used their judging formats and uh and everything that have been built over years and years and uh rather than pulling something out of a hat which seems like what fig is doing like i don't know who on the parkour commission are actually making these rules and code of points and I don't know who are making these decisions or what they're building them be, off but i have to be honest here i'm very heavily involved there so Okay. All right. So, so we, we can talk blame. if you want to talk now, we can talk now or we can take later about it. Yeah. But it is it's it's <laughs> it's true. If if Sport Parkour League did want to get involved, like that might be the best scenario. Like, but I My answer to that is no. I don't think we should be involved at all. <laughs> um yeah. Because it is playing like... into their hand. Like it is it is it's it's still yeah, I mean, you, we, helping them having control over our industry individuals groups all over the world have started this practice and built this up and then why should we give it over to somebody else just because something happens quicker um mm. it doesn't make sense to me especially when that body has treated you poorly um you know again it would be different if if ig had come and said 
we see synergies, let's have a conversation. What could we do versus saying, you know, it's ours. Um, yeah. Would you like to support us? Um, that's very different. Um, so I don't think people should get involved. And people who have tried to be involved, like the original commission, resigned. Even though they were people who were supportive of that vision, they couldn't reconcile those cultural issues, the process issues and things that were taking place. Um, you know, in in Belgium, um, I think the, the, the Brussels Parkour School was also involved in supporting the National Federation um, and it came, came across the same issues. And so they pulled out of that relationship because um, it wasn't true to what parkour was. Um, and so I haven't seen lots of great examples of that being done well and parkour itself being treated with the respect it deserves. Um, and so I wouldn't want anyone, well, I wouldn't personally advocate for people to enter into those spaces to influence it from the inside when we could just do it ourselves together. Yeah. But that's like, that's just the thing because they're going to take it anyway. And there will always be someone to fill their job roles. You know what I mean? And whether they are incompetent or not and we get like if they're going to take it anyway then the involvement surely would help um from spl etc um to get the better outcome in the end and even though like like it will be great to have their deep wallets to kind of fund parkour um and everything and annoyingly that money won't go back into the grassroots pockets um although they might help us financially it's it's just gonna loop around back into gymnastics but um but, but Tom, um here you you don't see or is this a wrong concept i have let's say if parkour people get involved into the fig thing and things look the way we want it to look like yeah don't these grassroots organizations, let's say gyms all over the world or, or organizations all over the world, have a benefit from more exposure of parkour? Like parkour itself is getting bigger, which kind of has a revenue in people like joining your classes, for example, mm. um, or people having the awareness, maybe even, you know, in how many places parkour is banned. But maybe if, if it has more awareness in, in the public mind, it opens us more possibilities. And like Damien said, he's involved in building these public places that like you can move. And so that it gives us more opportunities in this way. And like, just in a, it's not directly financially, like yeah. FIG is paying grassroots organizations. But because I think if I had, if I had a kid I wanted to send to parkour and I, I have choices around my town, I will go to the one which is doing it already for 15 years. Yeah, sure. Um, that is that is a very good point. I think um, maybe it was Dan Edwards from Parkour Generations. Like he was, he also saw that as a positive among amid all the negative uh, that may come from it. Like it may help their business. Um, Tom and Renee, you know, say the same things in terms of. Um from SPL in terms of yeah. it, it potentially sends people um, to their gym. Um, yeah, they were. They, they also said if they did have, um, if 
the federation in canada tried to close them down or or say they're not certified or anything um renee was like uh well bring on the storm because they'll probably gain <laughs> a lot of the gain a lot of exposure from um being in the news and uh, yeah. trying to battle that as well yeah but um Colin, Ken, I don't know if you were quite hitting this way in terms of, you know, the, the comment around they, they're going to do it, it's happening anyway sort of scenario, but something that came up uh, in, in 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 Tom and Renee's STS um, podcast that I'd love to to clarify if people watch that or um, I can't remember whether you identified it or not, but at the moment, parkour is not on the Olympic program. So in, in FIG's... Um, uh, press releases and documentation available on their website they talk about their intent um to take it into the olympic games so that's not yeah. a secret yeah um yeah. but it's not on the olympic program so renee and tom sort of talked about it as a foregone conclusion um at this stage it's not on the olympic pro program it won't be at paris 2024 so la 2028 is the earliest at which it could be on the program yeah um but the ioc in response to uh the press that asked them about why parkour wasn't included um they didn't talk about any of parkour Earth's advocacy uh to them um but they said that unless uh fig removes athlete spots from its other gymnastic disciplines on the olympic yeah. program there's no room for parkour to enter into the program so fig would have to remove spots for its established gymnastic disciplines in order to make room for parkour um, which is a pretty significant move yeah um, um and so as well as having to respond to the the own research that the ioc themselves have funded that told them that they should work with grassroots actors in the scene so um some might say it's a pipe dream for parkour earth to kind of take on fig and actually ultimately get into the olympic games through through our processes rather than through figs sure. um, but it isn't a given right nicholas you wanted to say something yeah, I, I can right. give you a really good insight in that since um the ioc or members of the ioc have been uh, uh the world champion fig world championships uh, in tokyo so i had some talks with them and uh i know how the processes work more or less so um two different things it takes a long time um so decisions are making long ahead of when the games are hold. So the decisions for, for 28 LA will be made like, I think in the next year or something like this. So yes. and before, before that, the organization gets, um, you know, they have a closer look. They have uh, been watching many competitions before. They, they come up to the judges. They, they see the judging system. How fast are they? How, how good does the cooperation with TV work? Everything is being assessed. So this is one one thing to know. So there's a, a long time before actually you're assigned to the Olympic Games. You are being watched very closely. Um, and, and Damien is totally correct that um, the gymnastics would have to to um, offer some spots from, from the other disciplines um, in order to bring parkour in. The reason for that is that the Olympic Games are getting smaller so I think for, for Paris, they, they canceled like 500 slots in total or something like this. Uh, so, so they want to make the games a little bit smaller. And that's why the, the original uh, offer for 24 was that gymnastics would have to take out um, slots from their other disciplines. 
the decision was made within the FHG not to do that um, because of political reasons. So if Mori would have decided to uh, cancel other disciplines, um, that the elections of the president were done pretty close after that. So the chance to get re-elected as a president would have been very small. And President uh, Mori is, is, is good for parkour within the FIG because he's supporting it. So I think it was a smart move at this stage. So, but now for 28, maybe even for 24, I'm not sure. I think it's for 28. For 28, new criteria for the Olympic Games were released. So sports, which are included, have to fulfill certain criteria, which is, for example, popularity and also gender equality. And now here you see the problem if you're thinking about other gymnastic disciplines. Rhythmic gymnastics. Exactly, for, for example. So maybe some of the other sports won't even make it into the Olympics anymore. So And there will be slots. And I'm also sure that the FIG will be ready to offer some slots from other disciplines. So this is just, just some, some insight into to how things work mm. and to, to clarify a little bit and uh, also ex explain why, for example, slots need to be cancelled because the Olympic Games are getting smaller uh, or those right. new criteria, uh, which has been defined by, by the IOC, which is very important for selecting uh, new sports for 28. Mm. And I think, I mean, I think the, I guess that that direction is one of the reasons why some of the uh, some of the gymnasts involved with FIG, like Vice President Nellie Kim, was in the news um, a few years ago saying that she didn't like what Fig was doing with parkour because of its negative impact on gymnastic disciplines. You know, the amount of finances being diverted um, to support parkour when it was new and unrelated, um, and so I guess it's not. It's not universal, um, and it definitely would have been interesting to know what uh, what that vote outcome would have been if if Watanabe had had um, had proposed that. Um, I mean, that's the thing, right? Um, the more money that they put into investing in parkour being a new subdiscipline of gymnastics, the less money they'll be able to give to their current disciplines. And I've I've heard um, that the other disciplines aren't too happy about that like it's not uh it's not a whole consensus whether everyone actually wants this or thinks it's a good I guess, idea and I, I, back in back when it, the controversy first launched in 2017 i did a, uh, a a video and a blog post talking about why i thought we should be fighting against fig and talked about some of the things that were happening within other action sports that we could look to um, to draw on what uh, what does the potential future look like for parkour if we went down this route and supported um, us, ourselves under an existing traditional sport federation. Um, and you can see that sort of scenario in sailing with windsurfing. Windsurfing right. was the new hot thing back in the 70s, 80s, um, and now it's being dropped in favour of kite surfing and foiling and so the next new thing comes along and that gets dropped for the for the next newest thing. And so if parkour is under parkour, we're in charge of our, our, our own selves. You know, mm. that doesn't tell us whether um, we have the profile or the popularity long term for, for staying in the Olympic Games either. 
But if it's under somebody else's, they get to make some of those decisions that we don't get to make on our own behalf, um, which I think is a is a threat in the long, long, long term. Yeah, I think it is funny, like the because we're not alone in this um, in this battle. Like there has been uh, snowboarding fighting for their own sovereignty uh, and skiing, kind of um, taking over their sport. And um, yeah, it, it's surfing and under, climbing are the only two. Yeah. That oh really have, i guess autonomy yeah surfing and climbing yeah. and then climbing other... the, climbing is just one one event it's the... despite the um the lead mm. lead climbing uh bouldering and speed climbing which are immensely different uh dif- disciplines and specializations and i think the same will happen with um parkour if i'm not mistaken um the speed and um style will be combined fighting for the same uh medal um and yeah they're uh immensely different disciplines as well and normally uh people would specialize in in those and unless you're jared luti who would just be amazing at both um <laughs> but yeah there's also that's one of the also... things that has to be identified like i guess in order to create that lower athlete size that the ioc is trying to keep the game smaller those are the compromises that sports will have to make to modify yeah. their formats in order to enable um, the right number of athletes. Yeah. So, so to understand here, basically the the IOC assigns medals. Yeah. So like you get like one medal set or two medal sets or or however, and of course this is gender equal, so one for each, one for the for, for the men and one for the women. And um, as much as I heard, it's it's like like Callum said that. Um, parkour would get signed uh, two medal sets, so one for the men, one for the women's discipline. And basically, we have to do a decision how we want uh, this to look like. So this is not finalized yet because it's it's not nothing official. Or um, it, if it's rather going to be speed or freestyle, or if it's going to be an overall event. Um, so this this is a decision which which needs to be taken. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't want to t- keep you guys for too much longer because I know it's uh, late in New Zealand for Damien. Um, <laughs> I think we should brush over the uh, judging format flaws um, just quickly. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear a lot of the athletes uh, as not only the parkour community, uh, but yeah, a lot of the athletes as well that are competing have a lot of problems with the uh, judging format where it stands right now. Um, so yeah, can you can you talk about that a little bit, Nicholas? Yeah, of course. So one thing to say is like um, it wasn't just done last year, and it was not just done with no names uh, like with me. Um, so there were many people involved since the beginning. So when I came in into the commission. Um, th- there was already a form of a judging system um, which has been done. So, uh, if if you were, I, I don't want to drop names here to to get the shitstorm on them. So just watch the the FIG comps or see some behind the scenes, and you see uh, which bigger names have been there helping to to develop uh, the system. Um, what I see like one of the biggest um, like conflict conflicts which is appearing is like we have so many different styles so many different uh opinions so one of the biggest biggest uh like problems we had now at the fig world championship was the the connection so yeah. you saw all those floor moves and um because this was a, originally like designed for 
translational connections, which styles from Archie or Zen or, or other people, which have also Ellis has a has a nice uh, translational um, flow, right? Yeah. So, and, and this is what we wanted to reward that they they can show mastery uh, yeah. in their movements by directly linking it. So, same things like you're doing with the 180 priest bounce backs and and stuff. Like you have to be really masterful in those that you can pop connect them directly, right? Yeah. So, but now we saw since people are starting to apply the rules more and more because they know they can they can get four points and then take the yeah, win yeah. at the end. They they started to to find loopholes in that, and we have seen one of the biggest one now at at the World Championships, and we didn't need to wait until social media feedback to know yeah. Yeah, that yeah, this yeah, yeah. was not the way we wanted we wanted it to look like and. Uh, that's why we called the the athletes commission together and and we are looking for for new ways mm. uh, and you don't know these exploitations of loopholes are going to happen until they happen sometimes it, like exactly the thing is if we if we change a criteria or we, we create a new one we always use the old videos from the old competitions to judge it mm. but what you're missing there is this human factor of people interpreting the new rules of course it, it gives you an other ranking than in the old competition because you have changed things um but, but you don't have this interpretation yeah you can't see the holes in the system until they're shown to you and and boy were they shown to us um yeah it, it kind of uh hurts me to imagine uh and like if the recent competition was uh on the world stage in 2028 in la like oh i don't know what that's gonna do to parkour because um i spoke about this before with um uh harrison gabriel um the fact that public perception has a lot to do with um how well a sports industry and the participation in a sport in general like it's actually kind of fragile if we just look at rollerblading it just took one joke said by one person which was the um like what's the hardest part of being a rollerblader telling your parents you're gay like <laughs> i think that was the joke the one joke that ruined rollerblading and i think that came from skateboarding because there was this heavy heavy rivalry between the two uh, but rollerblading took a massive nosedive in terms of their industry and participation which they're only just now digging themselves out of and if we see that in our own sport as well um people blame um parkour being viewed as uncool because of the um the office skit the hardcore parkour yeah. <laughs> uh, which i think is fucking hilarious and i also think that we were easy pickings because like back in two before 2009 when that um series came out we were already really really lame and in public in the public's <laughs> eye like we can't have been doing many favors for ourselves um but now we're really fighting an uphill battle against that kind of um public perception and still getting yelled at people out of their car windows while driving past a training spot. Um, but I feel like if the current um, judging format and the current competition, like the the one that just happened in, in Tokyo was in the Olympics and saw by millions of people, I don't actually know the ratings of the Olympics these days. It's 
probably dying. That's why they're trying to get all these youth lifestyle sports involved. Um, but yeah, it, I can't help but think that is going to put our sports public perception and industry in a very precarious position, um, which we've I been fighting against. I feel like a lot of people would be years. embarrassed. Yes. Like obviously the the meme that I saw was the comparison between the air whip and um and specific very specific clips from both events mm. that clearly were cherry picking um very, yeah very true. from other things from the air I'm sure there were more boring and and strange things from the air whip challenge as well um but if that is how people perceive it um then that is isn't going to look great. I, yeah. I guess one of the things that I'm interested, Callum, from your perspective, is you know Nicholas said that some of this platform was there before he arrived. Is that a concern then that there was actually a, a much lengthier time to produce what was available then for the world championships? When I don't hear that kind of negative feedback for any of the industry led events, um, which have smaller teams, smaller budgets, um, and are yet uh, authentic and seem to be popular. Mm. Well, I mean, groups like SBL that have been, working yeah but even yeah and things like you know own the spot and and things that you know grassroots groups are popping up and 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 running and testing yeah seem to get great following um you know not the same tv exposure um but are popular and then you have a whole team you have a whole parkour commission and you know multiple actors involved in that system producing something that people didn't like yeah well i i guess it's the people that are creating these grassroots events, they're, they've got a very close eye on the parkour community and they're trying to take what works like, and what doesn't work. Um, and I think they're taking a good look at other environment-based sports like skateboarding, rollerblading, BMX and everything, which are, I would argue we're closer akin to than gymnastics. Um, and we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants in that sense that... And I think those grassroots competitions are not only working off their own mistakes, but the mistakes of other competitions to try and make um, the best possible format. Um, but yeah, so I, Nicholas... I get the I get the um, what gymnastics are trying to do. They're trying to uh, with with parkour. They're trying to make a more objective format. But I think they're losing a lot in the process. Um, I don't know how skateboarding and BMX are scored in the Olympics, but surely we need to um, take inspiration from that uh, because they're both very environment-based sports and they have a ton of tricks and um, and it's not just a matter of nailing those tricks, but it matters where you do them. Um, yeah. So, Nicholas, is that accurate in terms of the... People are interested in in competition for parkour, concerned about the standard, the heavy standardization of parkour within a gymnastics model, um, and yet when you have so many opportunities to look at industry and grassroots led parkour competitions that people like, and Fig hasn't used that, is that because it is trying to create a very standardized model that's easily replicable for the Olympic Games? Um. One thing uh, which which I think is is like the difference between those um, those community competitions you were talking about and now an FIG competition is that um, that we have to have other factors involved. Um, how to say? So 
let's say, for example, we need to have certain criteria fulfilled for the kind of competition we are doing. So we have a, a field which needs to be set up somewhere. So just, you know, the course we have and both freestyle and speed need to fit on to this course, for example. Then we know we have maybe 60 athletes competing and for freestyle, and we need to provide a ranking at the end. So it's not just some online submissions and after we have the top eight and we have a lot of time, then it needs to be able to be judged like within one or one and a half minutes to be possible to be uh, live scored on TV. Then what we also need is of, of course for, for the criteria also uh, to have fair sports. We were talking about WADA before. To have fair sports, um, we need to be objective. So if you're you as a scientist taking the, the, the test criteria of objectivity, reliability and validity, uh, th those are those are very important criteria uh, to bring into this. So talking objectivity doesn't matter which person is judging. So of course it matters to a certain point, but let's say we are taking the three of us, we all, all have some understanding of parkour. So it shouldn't matter if Damien, Column, or myself are judging the, the run we are seeing, it should be the same result if we have a good system in place. Yeah. And for, for the, the reliability, if, Column is judging the run today and tomorrow with the system, it hopefully gets us the same score. Yeah. So it shouldn't depend on the time you're doing this. Yeah, and for sure. The last one would be the, the not, last only, one. not only the person judging, but also the mood they're in, like what kind of um what kind of elements of the sport that they're like into at that moment in time exactly. like maybe exactly. they just saw like an instagram clip oh, which really made them yeah yeah, yeah exactly. oh yeah and that as well yeah the... <laughs> um... and the last one would be the validity and i think there that's what 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 failed a little bit now here in the fig world championships so the validity means like how much is this this um judging system measuring what it is actually supposed to measure so this is like, how does the sport looks like, right? Yeah. And that's when we come back to the, to the meme videos of, of Airbnb and, and FIG. Mm. So, and I think with all those things behind, it's a different approach to what we have seen so far, so far in the community. Um, we have seen mm. many different judging systems, um, which work great in, in their places where they are hold. Um, but those are the things we need to think about. And this is, I believe very new in parkour to to apply this kind of things, and this makes it challenging. Um, sure. As I said, we had great athletes on the team so far. We had um, <coughs> nice cooperation with statistic professors, which help us with the numbers. Like what does work in a in a fair way? So we are not taking like averages, for example, because like this one judge would have too much influence, right? If we, it would be we three and the average score, and I give a one, but you two give a six. So I would have way too much influence. So we are trying to to make it fair and understandable, um, and and that's that's the challenge I see happening now, and that's why I'm happy that more people are starting to get involved, like the athletes commission we are having right now, um, but also there standard parkour discussion. We are having different styles, 
Um, so crazy different sometimes. And even if we have to make a vote in the in the athletes commission, sometimes there's uh, hard discussions about styles. What should count? Should we put in more classic parkour? Should it be more twisting? How much does it get canalized if we only twist? And so on. So many open questions. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something that needs a very quick turnaround for um, the tweaks and tinkering. But that that sadly isn't going to happen because the, the turnaround of the change of code of points happens every four years or so. Basically, uh, and basically, we're not yes. likely to see any changes until 2024. And you yourself, I think, said we're likely to see some some of the same bad competitions with people exploiting the loopholes, potentially more and more, um, until those changes have been made. But in reality, like we really need a quick turnaround. If if there are so many tweaks that need to be made, and you need to see trial and error, what is actually happening when you swap out one thing for another and then like oh shit it still doesn't work like we need quick turnaround and it's really frustrating that that this can only happen um uh like every four years <laughs> so, so this is the standard procedure within fig so the yeah. ec the executive committee has to vote on it um what, what i can say here the, the fig world championships were not too bad for making a quicker change now so okay. i think this helps parkour within the FIG more because even the people in the highest ranks have seen that it didn't go ideal. So I'm pretty sure there will be a way that we can can change that quicker. And I'm, I'm really fighting for that, that we can make those changes quicker. Um, nice. Some people like some people from the French community offered me to, to, to host some competitions to, to try the new code. Oh, that's cool. If, if we have one, this is really cool coming coming from the community of, of France um, because they see that, that it's needed and we talked about those problems uh, we are having, like, you need to test it. But but still, even if you have new rules, uh, there can be loopholes. Uh, always think about the first, about the first soccer World Cup. Uh, so they played one half of the match, they played with one ball of one team and the second half with the ball of the other team because there was no standardization of, of the size of the ball. Yeah. Um, so so this can still happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Um, I'm trying to make it as quick as possible. But nice. as you said, sometimes you, you don't have the final word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and is, that I is guess, annoying to fight against that guess, bureaucracy. Yeah, this is a benefit that we're seeing with, with Parkour Earth. I mean, not only do we want to provide the best support um, for parkour, the parkour community globally, but what can an international federation be? So many traditional federations have these very bureaucratic processes that are very often disconnected from the participants themselves. You know, you saw during the last Olympic Games that the was it the Norwegian handball team wanted to wear ever so slightly larger shorts and they were told they, that they couldn't um, because of the rules and procedures and things. But surely in terms of human dignity, you allow the women to wear bigger shorts if they want to. Um, and so there's got to be a better way to develop a, a, a system and develop an organization. Um, and that's our intent, ultimately, to put those things in place. Um, and I think FIG should be seriously looking at how they carry out those procedures and processes. Um, 
I definitely agree with you. Paco Kimmerer is not going to be happy. <laughs> Damon, can I ask a question here? Uh, I definitely agree with you. I, I would love to see things happen fast. Um, do you have a plan or, or an idea how you're going to do that within Parkour Earth? I mean, if you're really growing fast and you have, I think you're also want to have a, a democratic version of it. So people are going to vote and you are having board members all over the world, like 200 board members. And, and you have to vote on things. And, and it's not going to be just a rule change, but there are so many things in this bureaucracy of, of, a, of a federation. Um, how are you going to, to make those things quickly? I, I'm just, really just curious how this is going to look like, because I see this is a big problem of these long processes. Well, this is part of the we get to decide how we run ourselves. We don't have to. We don't have to copy any particular model. Um, we don't have to um, identify or create these specific layers of processes. Um, you know, the one of the things that is that we are trying to develop and enable through our ambassador program is that places that don't have national federations can have a voice through the ambassadors um, because not every nation um, wants to have a national federation um, and some can't now because of what FIG is doing. Uh, and so how else do they have a voice uh, into some of these processes? But the thing that is important to us, uh, and we're still going through these motions, is understanding how do you give power and voice to to athletes and participants beyond just member federations um, and i think that's hugely important and one of the things that's that's i guess missing within traditional uh, federations and that they're getting heavily critiqued for is making decisions that don't meet the needs of athletes or that even exploit athletes um, and so we don't want that to happen for, for parkour mm -hmm. Yeah, I um I know you didn't want to run over two hours, Damien, because you got to go to bed soon. Um, um yeah, so I can I... go for a little bit, a little bit longer. I mean, there's a couple of things that I'm interested in raising before I before I finish. But if you had other, okay. you had some other I, questions. Yeah, I wanted to um. What I wanted to finish with is um, to ask you both what are the worst case scenarios, and uh, and best case scenarios as well. Um um so damien what would be your worst case scenario um if fig were to go forward into the future like what what is the kind of dystopian future for parkour if you will like mm. in your eyes what, what do you think actually is the worst case well uh, yeah I've, I've got plenty to share but i mean i talked before about a number of the you know positive things that i saw but i'm interested to hear from nicholas what he thinks are the negative things What's the worst case scenario for Nicholas and his point of view? Yeah, true. Because because in a way, um, we don't know. Like we're kind of rolling the dice uh, when we're getting involved and when we're like shouting "fuck fig" or whatever. We don't actually know. Like, um, so like, yeah. What is your what Nicholas? What is your worst case scenario, and and how do you justify that with uh, with the best case? Like, yeah. Uh... So, so one thing, and uh, for, for you to understand first. So, since I'm also having a, a parkour club and everything, which is not affiliated with a with a federation at all, so I'm affected by the same things like like you yeah. are as well. So I I see those problems uh, very very directly. Um, for me, 
not not only FIG, but with everything in, in life, basically, or when something is governed is like incompetent people, um, like people which have a lot of opinion, but not a lot of knowledge. Mm. I think that 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 would be a, a big problem. I know that there are many different opinions out there. So for me, bad things, if it's if it keeps looking like this, you know, like we have yeah. seen in the FIG World Championships, if there would be no development. For me, that would be bad. I think there's a fundamental structure which is set now, but it needs to progress and it needs to progress as fast as possible. And if this is not going to happen, uh, I think that wouldn't be good. I wouldn't like that at all. Sure. And f- from a perspective of, of coaching, if I'm hearing those things about the certifications, if this would happen to me in Switzerland, I would surely see what I can do against it. Mm. Maybe it's getting involved. Maybe it's getting on board and, and voting together with, with other people getting involved. Maybe it's a way around something. I don't know. Uh, so, but making sure that the right people are in the, in, in the right position. Mm. Um, yeah, what's, what's your uh, best, best case scenario then for you, Nicholas? What's, uh, what's the light at the end of the tunnel that you're, uh, that you're involved for? Like, where do you yeah. see this going? Seeing, seeing the sport displayed on an international level, the, the, the way we like and love it. So yeah. like being able to share what we love in the, in the way it looks. And I think this needs development. And I mean, also the sport doesn't look the same like 10 years ago and you had a big impact on that as well. So I'm not like conservative that it has to stay exactly the same way. Yeah. I want to share and I, I very welcome development in the style. Um, as long as it stays like this street culture, friends having fun together yeah. and people like to compete. Uh, I love that. For me, the, the, the fastest and, and and the easiest way to do it is with 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 the FIG. So I agree with Charles here. And in this case, I would love to see more people getting involved, um, sharing, and more like um, enjoying than than arguing. Yeah. Okay. This cool. is this is my ideal scenario. Yeah. 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 And and just having um, parkour on that stage has a real potential if done very well to boost um parkour's participation and which we all i assume would agree is is a great thing we've all got such an immense amount of value from practicing the sport of parkour and it can bring so much good to so many people's lives uh the more people that do it and in doing so the more people that are doing parkour the more money that's put into our industry the more jobs there are for the people that are very good and have been developing parkour in their life as to the point of where it's their top vocation in their life and they do deserve to get some reciprocation for their effort and the value that they're giving to the world whether it be through coaching or or whatever like that is um the ideal scenario for me um I guess uh, not to end on a downer, <laughs> but Damien, where do you think um, where do you think it can all go wrong? <laughs> um, I think a lot of it. I mean, it, it, unless there's a change of heart, unless Fig comes to Parkour Earth and says, 
okay, return to an even playing field and let's discuss what would it look like if parkour became part of gymnastics or uh, let's negotiate on how parkour could become part of the Olympic program. Hmm. Then everything that FIG does is built on the fact that they went through this process without doing uh, going through a due process, allowing autonomy and a democratic process for parkour to make its own decisions. So everything is built off that. So um, I guess that remains the same way um, that um, regardless of what FIG says about wanting to support the future and development of parkour, at the same time, it's also undermining the voice of multiple nations and their representative bodies who said that what FIG is doing is against its will. Um, and then because FIG has made an international choice, it has a the flow on down into these other spaces, whether those choices um, are in line or against its own will um, for how its federations and then local clubs after that choose to respond to, to parkour. So um, I guess it's an exacerbation of the examples and things that we're already aware of. So um, some gymnastics clubs are using parkour to keep boys in the gym. And so it's kind of presenting an idea that gymnastics is for girls and parkour is for boys, um, mm. which further exacerbates, you know, negative stereotypes that already exist within the community already and potentially yeah. undermine the women and non-binary participants who are trying to really promote and the fact that parkour should be for everybody. Mm. Um, and that certainly wouldn't be, you know, a universal scenario across gymnastics clubs. And I don't imagine that national bodies or FIG would be supportive of that, but it is literally happening. Yeah. Um, and so I guess there's a threat that more of that takes place. Um, we know of examples where um, funding has been uh, acquired using parkour as this new popular thing, and it's been spent on gymnastics equipment rather than on enabling actual parkour programs. So that idea of, of I guess, money because of parkour's popularity actually being funneled towards gymnastics um, has happened at least on the local uh, local level. Mm. Um, the impact that it has then for, for national federations. So a national federation uh, to its sports ministry or the uh, National Olympic Committee or whoever it's its overarching body uh, has to present data on participation in most cases to kind of justify their own funding relationships and scenarios like that. And so the more that uh, gymnastics clubs and national gymnastics federations pick up parkour, the more conflict there is between national parkour federations and the gymnastics federations on where do we get this membership data from if if they're all claiming you know if i take a new zealand example can we present to sport new zealand all of the statistics of parkour participants in gymnastics clubs because they're claiming parkour and we're the the body who oversees parkour in our nation um and so that will further complicate um these scenarios and fig had said that they were going to uh present new models of working positive working relationships between uh competing federations or between uh nations that have different uh uh models for representation for parkour but i haven't seen that in our nation or heard of that within any of the member federations most of that has been um uh either indifference um, and not actually interested in parkour or some kind of more hostile experience um, and a negative story has come back to us. Um, 
the 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 certification stuff that you talk about whether that is a threat and whether that is a reality um, that undermines the ability of of new local examples um, coming forward um, I mean I know uh, even specifically within uh, the Swiss case um, Nicholas that the um, the Swiss Parkour Association actually had to try really hard to make sure that it was able to develop its own uh, coaching model. Um, and otherwise it would have been under the Swiss Gymnastics Federation, even though they do, had done very, very little parkour at the time. Um, so there's more potential, I guess, that the um, parkour people have to make a choice as to whether they're going to support gymnastics federations rather than being able to own uh, and look after these things themselves. And, and I guess ultimately it has the potential to um, devalue our practice because what's being presented on the world stage is a very structured uh, and um, managed specific version of parkour that doesn't necessarily represent the community. Yeah, and I think it's a very it's a very hard thing as well. Um, I think Nicholas, you spoke about this in the um, the post that Keeper made. Um, I think it was you. Uh, most of the people that are competing, they're, they're like, and not just that, but a lot of us struggle to actually define what parkour is. I mean, we're certainly not what parkour is on Wikipedia. That's that's for sure. Like we've evolved. <laughs> I haven't looked at that recently. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I, I don't think it was ever correct, honestly. Uh, and I, even if it hasn't changed in like uh, 15 years or something like um it's it's very much uh, still the old uh, A to B uh, efficiency thing, um, but yeah, it's it's a struggle to define what we do, and maybe it's misun that misunderstanding that is that help it doesn't really help us differentiate us from gymnastics, and it's not understanding that key differentiation that might lead us to looking something more like gymnastics and i think one of those key things is that we are an environment-based sport we don't have um we are not a uh we don't use the same standardized apparatus again and again um for a hundred years um and that's just that's just like the first thing um so yeah, I, I feel like we've got to define what we do and understand what we do to so we can actually not become this thing. Because how are we going to not become it if we don't know what we are? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So come and come and be part of Parkour Earth and tell us um, how that should be. Um, <laughs> actually, there's one thing I did want to mention um, from the other podcast that's really really important is that. Mm both the cave brothers laughed at my last name um Fuckers. when you said damien <laughs> when you said damien puddle um i really like my last name i like um, your last name i don't know what but, but i was going to say drawing on one of your previous videos perhaps perhaps a way moving forward is that like mike snow who is a friend of mine yeah. um that perhaps every time it rains you can complain about damien puddles um or brad moss as well brad moss the yes yeah, yes in the winter making all the walls mossy god damn it <laughs> um yeah um any final thoughts before we go i'm desperate for the toilet so make them quick please. <laughs> <laughs>
I was admiring Damien already drinking a lot of water at the start of the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost gone. Impressive. Oh, yeah, I can't do this. I yeah, I don't know how Joe Rogan does it. But yeah, any final thoughts? Yeah, I I think uh, what's important to know also for the people listening to this that um you know we are having this debate, but I think we are all on the same page. So we we really want to make the best for parkour. Mm. Maybe not the same ways, but I think we agree in one thing that we all love parkour, that we want to share it, um, that we want to create and build opportunities. Mm. Uh, I think we would have a damn good time together jamming around somewhere and doing some jumps. Yeah, so... 100%. We all have this common goal and we all have this love for parkour. And I think it's important amidst this debate that's ongoing to take everything everyone's actions in good faith and not to turn it into a flame war like in the forums of old um yeah that's that's a very good point and important to remember for everyone including myself I, i'm such a shit stirrer and i'm very guilty of of this um uh being the chaotic party um but yeah damien final thoughts yeah i mean one appreciate the opportunity to have the have the dialogue and have the discussion um and um yeah do it in a way that's that's amicable as well um i guess yeah similar to nicholas i mean yeah parkour is all about freedom of movement and parkour earth is here to support the freedom to train how you want without you know third party negatively influencing that um mm. so that's part of our uh our mission and i whether it's a good analogy or not i have described parkour earth as a fence um you know um as sort of this this barrier this outside thing we don't want to say exactly what it is you should be doing um yeah. inside as part of this this culture but we want to be able to provide some protection and support um, um to those that want to practice this activity yeah um, I think I think and, park, Parkour Earth shouldn't be seen as this gatekeeping autocracy. Like you're very open about being democratic and um, to represent the broader community. And the the old um, I compare you to in the podcast, like as PK Gen esque. And I know PK Gen are notorious in the past for being um, very purist and conservative. Uh, to one specific way of practicing and anything else is heretical um and parkour earth despite what i said does very much seem to want to represent the broader community and uh has more diverse viewpoints in their in their board members than uh, i painted in that podcast for sure yeah so yeah if people want to connect and they want to be part of what we're doing um or, or communicate with us you know with me directly just jump on the discord you know callum you talked about some things um there just the other day and so you can just jump on and connect directly with the board and with the executive and um yeah would would love to to, to communicate mm. yeah um cool and you're this both is... always welcome here um, <laughs> nice and, one. thank you yeah Everyone yeah. in New Zealand calls me uncle um, because I'm one of the um, long-standing uh, participants, but you don't have to call me uncle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it would be lovely to meet you you guys in person someday. Um, right, cool. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening and giving your attention. Um, we'll see how this thing goes in the future and maybe, maybe we'll reconvene um, at a later date. <laughs> um, 
to discuss more things. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.